Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And so, like, I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about Beyond the Rift, and I was thinking about I was thinking about Dragon Ball Z, about how Goku is always going to win the fight in the end, and I was thinking about Superman, and I was thinking about Into the Spider Verse, and like I was, all of these things were spinning in my head, and I just kind of landed on, well, why don't I just like you could just use the Beyond the Rift conceit for a story in which the here the superhero always saves the day, and it's just the difference of whether you have a Superman story where he catches Lois Lane and a Spider Man Gwen Stacy. My name is Jeremy Gage, and welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. everyone welcome to the draw your dice podcast my name is jeremy gage as you heard in the intro but as always it's not about me and in fact i am excited to bring you one of my inspirations of the show the whole one of the few reasons many reasons but big one that i have come to do this uh marketing writer party of podcast or excuse me party of one podcast host that's a big clue right there (laughs) drinker of sours and fruit beer and game designer which is why we're here on the show today I would like to welcome to the show, Jeff Stormer. The, the level of research that was into that was it was incredible. First off, I appreciate the sour beer reference because I'm excited yeah. to talk about it any at the moment. Secondly, yeah. uh, secondly, I do have to take issue with at least one thing that you said a little bit. I think this is at least a little bit about you because this is two friends having a fun <laughs> conversation. Like I want that noted on the record. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Woo! Woo! I am sweating. Great. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, for people who are listening who may not have heard your podcast at all, why don't you give just a brief intro of how you present yourself to the internet and the world around of, you? Of course. My name is Jeff Swammer. I am a podcaster, game designer, marketing writer, and the unofficial official LARP designer of the Olive Garden Restaurant. Um, I host Party of One, which is an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. I'm also the co-host of All My Fantasy Children, which is a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast. And also, sometimes I design games, which I think is going to be a lot of what we talk about here today, including uh, my most recent release, Anyone Can Wear the Mask, which is a superhero RPG for three players about a hero, a villain, and the city that they share. Uh, I do a lot of things. I, I do marketing, consulting, and writing. I... I, I'm busy. I am a busy. I'm a busy man with a lot of hobbies, uh, 
and also I drink beers and watch wrestling a lot, and it's great, and uh, everything everything's great. I do dope shit. It's great. Yes, Here's my one swear. Yes. I got my one swear in. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just a sort of a ceiling for anyone who may want to take that into the wrong hands. But uh, we we can swear up a storm. I am a sailor. Um, so, in addition to the icebreaker of the show, could you also give us a little walkthrough of your game design lineage, right? You started the yeah. podcast, but like, what was maybe your first RPG that you played that really got you starting to consume? And then what was the first thing that maybe started your game design spark? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my game design lineage uh, starts when I was eight years old in rural Oklahoma. We found a copy of a game called Middle Earth Roleplaying at a yard sale. Uh, somebody was apparently giving this game away and having now read it several times over in the decades since I understand why. Um, <laughs> it's, and that's not fair. It is a fine game. I'm sure like if you are, if you love, if you love rolling on many, many critical hit tables and you love D 100 percentile dice, like I'm sure it's, it's up your alley. Like I'm sure this game is, is every, I was eight years old and I read this game and I went, I don't understand what I'm reading. Uh, it stuck in my brain. It it captured something in me. But at the time, I distinctly remember going like, I like role playing games like video games. Like I'm a big Dragon Warrior fan. I like I like, you know, role playing video games. And this game says it's a role playing game on the front. But it's this weird experience where I'm rolling on tables and I don't understand what's happening. But it's telling me that I can also imagine a hero. And that's cool. So. Like, uh, that was the thing that kind of hooked me, and I've kind of never gotten away from this quicksand that is role-playing games ever since. Um, the thing that made me want to start creating was probably, I mean, like, it's interesting because I came to, I, came, I, I always describe myself, and the reason I always describe myself as a podcaster first is that, like, I ultimately probably came to game design through podcasting more so than, like, like I don't like I didn't or I don't or I like I've never really had the spark to design for design's sake. I I I, I came to so I came to kick my table as hard as I possibly could. It's a great audio <laughs> I'm experience. It in. I'm great, it in. great audio experience. Um, <laughs> I, I I I came to podcasting first. Like I was a podcaster before I was a game designer. Uh, I came into podcasting because I was I fell in love with actual plays. I was a huge fan of One Shot and a huge fan of a number of other actual play podcasts that were happening. And I w kind of came to a point where I was like, I, I uh, my my wife, Jen Frank, producer of the show, uh, we both came to a point where we were like, we want to make a thing. We both like enjoy two player games. We've played them together. So we want to make a thing that represents two player games. So we kind of started creating this podcast and then eventually being, you know, I think, I mean, I think eventually like what happens is when you, when you just read so many of a particular thing is that you eventually go like, okay, well, what about this? What if I, what if this existed? And then, then you find that feeling of like, well, the thing that I want doesn't exist. So I have to be the one to make it, which has kind of always been my, uh, always been my, 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 my burden to bear is this feeling of, well, if it doesn't exist, I have to make it. So now I make things is really is arguably my journey uh, and to being a game designer is, well, I want this. Why doesn't it exist? Fine. If I have to make it, I will. Yeah. I'll do it myself. A lot, of, a lot of game design out of spite of, of hey. <laughs> I only create from hatred. <laughs> only really like I feel like 
you know, we talk a lot about the tools that a game designer should have. We talk about, uh, you know, the best practices. We don't talk enough about hatred. We don't talk yeah. enough about about the power of, like, a deep-searing resentment and hatred and how that festers in your gut until you have a beautifully rendered game in front of you. I mean, if anyone's paying attention to the Draw Your Dice podcast, you can sense why I'm creating things that I'm creating, so... Uh, what a beautiful journey. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Middle Earth. I've never read it. I've never seen it. Um, I've seen the movies that are ba- based on it. So this was this was a game that came out in 1992? Mm-hmm. I would be two say. years old then, yeah. Uh, 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 it came out in 1992, and uh, it feels like a game that came out in 1992. I want to see if I can find, like... <laughs> Some charts. I want to see if I can find like a pay, like an actual. Here we go. I'm gonna drop this into the. I'm gonna drop this into the Discord. Just. So I feel like can... it has a lot of like what is it called Earth Dawn and like Pendragon it's, style it's, design. It's, a, it's adopted really specifically from Rollmaster. Mm-hmm. It's it's a Rollmaster hack, and uh, you. Uh, I dropped a, I dropped an image into the Discord chat of a of a Merp stats table. First off, MERP is an incredible acronym, and I've always been <laughs> envious of it. But, like, there's just a lot unfolding in this table that is pulled mm-hmm. directly from the game. Oh, God. I wish I will put this in a Twitter post when I post this episode. Good. Pookie Man. Pookle Man? Pookle Man number the, three. The, the hits... You have your AT, your DB. It's there's there's your attack your attack fifty five raw. I don't know what that means. I Am I think, playing Monster it, Hunter? What's happening? There's it's so much. It is so much. And imagine being eight years old. Imagine being eight years old, having never seen a role playing game before, and this is what you see. And then imagine somehow this is the thing that sticks in your head for the next twenty five years amazing i I don't love it i don't i don't know how this poisoned my brain and yet here we are well obviously the toxins are working because you continue to play games to this day (laughs) here i am Um, yeah in addition to that i mean i don't know if anyone's done like the party of one origin story or if you have on the podcast but that's i feel like that's also part of your game designer Mm -hmm. heritage right so Mm -hmm. my my additional icebreaker question is sort of you wanted to make something that was two-player representative of the space, mm-hmm. which is cool because I don't think uh, like those style of cooperative games are real. Like I love how I just spoke with Nevin probably a few weeks ago about Gun and Slinger, which mm-hmm. is also sort of an example of a two-player mm-hmm. game. Um, and yeah, why? Like, what? What has that journey been like for Party sure. of One podcast? Yeah. So the the journey there starts uh, around when Jen and I moved in together. Uh, mm-hmm. I had left a long time D and D group, not a long time D and D group. I've been playing with them for like three or four months, but like I left like a weekly D and D group, mm-hmm. and I had like we had moved to a different city, and I was I one like literally just one day I was feeling sad that like I had lost like a weekly like role playing game, and Jen just goes, "Why don't you find a game that the two of us can play together?" And I was like, "All right, Aww. I can I can look into it." This was 2011. There were not very many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I started doing research. I found a few games. We played some games together. We found that we really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually uh, cut forward a few years of, you know, looking into this and this always kind of being a thing that I had kind of kicked around and been like, what what's out there now? Um, when when we started to talk about, like, I'd like to do a podcast, 
we both kind of we both kind of looked at the games that we had talked about and games that we played and like the games that we enjoyed and it was like oh well there's a lot of two play like and, and it was very it was part it was partially like I mean I know them I've been researching them for several years right like I've been looking mm-hmm. into ways to make this and also like also the 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 other half of it sort of the honest half of it and I think it's important to talk about this stuff is it was kind of there was a look around and there was like well nobody's doing this like mm-hmm. there's not really like another podcast that is like saying like we're going to explicitly make two player games the thing right like like it mm-hmm. was sort of a it was sort of a recognizing that like this was something that wasn't necessarily being done and like so it was kind of a vibe of like well then why don't we just why don't we try it and then if it doesn't work out we can it in six months and mm-hmm. if it works out great and it's been five and a half years and so mm-hmm. it's worked out pretty well i love it that's very 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 cool and i'm happy to have it on the internet i'm happy you created it i am too um, i'm extremely happy about it uh yeah two-player games i haven't played too many the o- the only one that i would consider like a cooperative two-player game and it's not really specifically structured for that but iron sworn i've played with my partner mm-hmm. on an old i love iron, I love iron sworn fantastic yeah. game cannot great game be, cannot be cannot cannot endorse it enough yeah, really, cannot undersell it at really all. Really, just well designed, well created, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. all all of it, top to bottom. Fun fact good. for fun fact for any of the listeners in here, I used to have an old actual play channel called Roll to Forge, where I played with a bunch of buddies of mine. We played some Blades in the Dark stuff. Uh, we played some Band of Blades stuff, and. Uh, in one segment, me and my partner played Ironsworn co-op together. So if you ever want to go check out that stuff, listeners, feel free. It's it's out there on the YouTubes. That's I mean I mean and that is uh on, on itself something that like I am so impressed with what Sean did with Ironsworn is like mm-hmm. making the the way that it really like the the solo guided and co-op modes like mm-hmm. are all so designed so intentionally and such so well put together that it is it is the most impressive like like as a designer i i, I remember flipping through that and going like oh wow this is this is really well done <laughs> yeah no i agree and i can even see like i think once we get into, because this origin story right mm-hmm. uh, has been great, uh, when we get into anyone can wear the mask, I can see a lot of the influence from both your mm-hmm. love for two-player style games, but also the shift of modes yep. and uh, how that sort of comes through in your in your design. I guess I guess since I said it, let's get into the let's, meat and potatoes of this it. bad boy. Great, uh, se- let's great, talk about- great segue. Great segue. <laughs> thank you, thank you, uh, expert podcaster, for <laughs> validating me. Uh, Let's talk about anyone can wear the mask. Let's do it. So, uh, talk to me about the Spark Thought. Why? Why make this game? Um, so this game is my anyone can wear the mask. Uh, the thirty second pitch, like I said, is a yes. three player. It is a game for one to three players about a hero, a villain, and the city that they share. It is a superhero game inspired by stories like inspired by like stories like Superman in Metropolis and Spider Man in New York and Batman and Gotham, it is about a hero who defends their specific city from a series of everyday threats and then ultimately the big nemesis that appears. Mm-hmm. Um, the The spark of it is, on some level, 
this is my 10 years late bat like bachelor's thesis which i guess technically isn't really a thing i don't think you technically write a bachelor's thesis but like this is my 10 years late college thesis because i uh I majored in superhero comics in college. I have an English mm-hmm. degree with a concentration in superhero comics. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and so this is my, this is my thesis statement. Like this is my, this is my essay. This is my, my, my love letter to the thing that like I have dedicated my life to studying. This is my, yes. um, and so, so the, the origin story for it is really, I mean, it starts with beyond the rift, right? Like it starts with mm-hmm. deep anyways, beyond the rift, which is an incredible, unbelievable game and is is just like breathtakingly good in its presentation in its mechanics Mm -hmm. in its themes in its writing d crushed every part of that game and like reading it was like i remember reading it like in my in my living room uh on a whim like i had bought it and i was like i'm just reading it and just being like wow oh my god oh my god oh my god and as I was reading it, I don't remember if if D talked about this or or how like the idea kind of got into my head. But I, I want to say they had tweeted at some point about like hacking their games. I want to say it was something like that or maybe I imagined that and the idea was already <laughs> in my head. Neither <laughs> of those possibilities are equally valid. Um yeah. But like the idea had like had gotten into my head and I started reading this through and there's this really brilliant thing that exists in beyond the rift is there's this brilliant conceit beyond the rift is a one to three player game about metroidvania style platformer games Mm -hmm. or more specifically like it is in the vein of like a hollow knight like it is very much like a it evokes a lot of hollow knight in its design and one of the things that it does and it's really really it's a brilliant game design conceit is when you flip a card, the 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 protagonist is presented with a challenge and then you roll a D6. And what that D6 represents is not whether or not the protagonist is going to overcome the challenge. You are not rolling to see whether uh, Simon Belmont can can jump from platform to platform. <laughs> yeah. You're rolling to see how many times Simon Belmont has to die before you make that jump. Like you are mm. rolling to see the level of frustration and the level of like difficulty and the, the amount of times you have to fail before you can succeed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is for a, for a game evoking that uh, that genre, that style like that, that 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 play experience is so fundamentally clever. Right. Like mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. so it's because it because it. it it goes beyond like recreating the 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 physical experience of like exploring a space and having it kind of grow out and map out becoming into something really like capturing the emotional experience of that game, which is I keep I can't make this platform because the Medusa head hits me and then I fall backwards <laughs> into the pit. And it's happened 15 times until I finally <laughs> realize like, until I finally realize I have to whip mid jump in order to hit the Medusa head like. It's it's very it is it it plays at the emotional experience of playing through that in a tabletop format, which is brilliant. That's awesome. Uh, there's also another game, uh, Rhapsody of Blood, by uh, UFO Press. 
Thank you. Yes, UFO Press that also has a similar like Metroidvania feel uh, and exploration mechanics to it, which is very, very cool. I, 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 this is also where I shout out another thing. Uh, Rhapsody of Blood Terra Incognita is a supplement for Rhapsody of Blood that uh, Mm -hmm. I quoted on the Itch.io page because I told Mina unprompted that it is one of my like favorite things to have in games of like, I love flipping i just love like making weird stuff i love just making Mm -hmm. weird weird objects and like castles it's the best (laughs) it's the best little weird castle making supplement i love it i love it this is me raving about things that i like now um i love it um but the um the thing that i got from from beyond the rift Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. i was flipping through it and i was thinking about that mechanic of like what does it mean that it's such an interesting approach to assume success Mm -hmm. to assume like not just like failing forward like not just to assume that something is always going to happen but to assume that the person who is making this role who's rolling this dice is always gonna win there's no question about what this person is going to do and like there's no question of that this person at the end of this this dice roll is going to be able to say i i overcome this obstacle that Mm -hmm. was such a like game like mesmerizing like i was like oh that's so interesting like other games have done stuff like that right like there's Mm -hmm. like a lot of powered by the apocalypse games like the role is like on a six minus you still get the thing but but Mm -hmm. like i had never seen it so clarified and written with such specificity in the text of like no like like there is no opportunity for you to say that you simply don't succeed at this like Mm -hmm. it's in the text you win but but what this what it means what what this win means depends on the dice roll yeah what did it take right what did you have to sacrifice or what did you have to give up to to uh, accomplish your tasks yeah i've been examining uh the drifter rpg which is based on hyperlight drifter the mm-hmm. video game by metal weave games slash uh andreas walters shout out to them and uh i've been doing like a basically a D drifter hack but what i like about drifter and what you're also pointing to is the sense of like the the players are competent like mm-hmm. the 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 characters in which they're vesseling are competent. They they know how to swing a sword. They know how to shoot a bow. And I think one of the disconnects for D and D for me with the pass fail system is that why is a person who's trained in archery shooting wide missing? Mm-hmm. Like that that doesn't seem really plausible to me. It should be more in the hands of the like right. the adversary they're coming against. Right? They knew how to put up their shield. They knew how to yeah. dodge. It wasn't that you missed. It was that they made you miss. Right? That's yeah. what I like more. And that's, and that's, and that's like, it's, it's, I was thinking about this and I was, I was kicking around. I was like, that's such an interesting mechanic. And as, as I was reading beyond the rift, I was engaging with one of the best Superman stories that has ever been written. And that is a TV series by the name of Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> Goku really is just Superman. It's, and the the, it's so, it's so fun. Like I, I adore, I adore that uh that Toriyama at the start of Dragon Ball Z takes Superman's origin story outright and is like yeah. is like to puts it on a character that like in Dragon Ball it's never implied that any of this is happening and then just goes like all right new series guess what alien superman riff all of them are evil that's where we're at now and it's like yeah. okay cool i'm here with it i'm i'm I vibing so i was immediately thinking about well so i was watching Dragon Ball Z 
mm-hmm. and I was reading mm-hmm. Beyond the Rift, and mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, "There's a really there's the seed of a great, uh, there's the seed of a great like fighting anime story here of the in mm-hmm. terms of like the the beat of like Goku's always gonna win his fight, but like yeah. it's about rolling the dice." And then I, I I started fiddling with this, and I was like, you know what? Like, candidly, I'm I don't think the world needs another quote unquote anime RPG by a white guy. <laughs> I don't think we need that. Yeah. So I shelved the idea and like left it for a while, and then like, mm-hmm. but the idea never kind of left my head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I kind of, but then I started to think I was like, well, wait. That's a thing that I don't like in superhero RPGs. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a thing that I don't like in in superhero RPGs, like with the exception of masks, which like builds a very specific conceit of like you are teenagers and like you are still figuring out what's what what your powers are and like how you fit into the world. Mm-hmm. Every superhero RPG that I've ever played allows for the possibility that Superman can just not catch someone when they are falling from a building. Mm -hmm. And I, and that's always been a point of frustration for me because like, Mm -hmm. while I, because like it's a game conceit that does not match like why I care about superheroes. It doesn't match like what, um, what makes a superhero story relevant and meaningful to me is this possibility that like, I will make this character, I will build this myth, I will build this folkloric figure. And then they just won't do the thing. They just won't do the thing that they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so like, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about beyond the rift. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about dragon ball Z about how Goku is always going to win the fight in the end. And I was thinking about Superman and I was thinking about into the spider verse. And like, I was, all of these things were spinning in my head and I just kind of landed on, well, why don't I just like you could just use the Beyond the Rift conceit for a story in which the here the superhero always saves the day, and it's just the difference of whether you have a Superman story where he catches Lois Lane and a Spider Man Gwen Stacy moment. Like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, and then and honestly, as soon as I kind of had that moment of realization, the the rest of the game kind of clicked into place, fueled most specifically by the going back to me saying that this is my college thesis, the, the hours and hours and I cannot stress this enough hours of time I spent watching my roommates zip around New York city in the game, Spider-Man two, the video game based on the major motion picture. (laughs) I could also see. And if I were being less honest, Jeremy, if I was being less honest with you as an interviewer, I would say Spider-Man PS4, but I have yeah. not played Spider-Man PS4, so I have the same experience from a movie tie-in game from 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, there's that experience of, like, Spider-Man going around the city and going to places and meeting people, and, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was like, a Beyond the Rift game, like a Beyond the Rift hack, where you are a hero going from place to place in your city, saving people and meeting people and, you know, flipping dice or flipping cards and being like, okay, cool. I have a place in my city. Here's the person in danger. And then I roll some dice to see if I can save them. And like the rest of the game kind of fell very neatly into place from there. Right. Like, like a rest, Mm -hmm. like a lot of the game, a lot of the game's beats from beyond the rift beyond the rift does the, the thing that anyone can wear the mask does where, you flip a joker and the adversary becomes apparent. And I was like, okay, so how do I recreate that 
in and I, I I thought about it for maybe 30 seconds before I landed on oh yeah that's just when Darkseid comes and ruins your day like that's just <laughs> yeah. when the Joker that's just when the Joker blows up a bunch of buildings I was like okay yeah, yeah, yeah. that's in every super and once I kind of realized like that's a beat in every superhero movie mm-hmm. I was like oh okay well then that should just be the arc of the game right the arc of the game should build you to that moment where you lose to the major villain you never really Mm -hmm. lose before that even if you can't save everyone Mm -hmm. but eventually you get back up and you save the day and the city kind of helps you do that and it it like a lot of the superhero media that i love is in beyond the rift in different places or beyond the rift oh my god is in anyone can wear the mask in different places (laughs) I was just I said so I long raving about this game that I I like that I was just like that's the name of the game that I have that's my game <laughs> yeah uh, I love it there there are a couple of things in that last explanation and in anyone can wear the mask that that I've taken really to heart as mm-hmm. a designer as well so the first bit just to talk about like Goku for a hot second yep is right that sure. Goku in my recalling of the series Goku has only sacrificed himself. One time, and that was verse Cell. Spoilers for Dragon Ball Z, I guess, if you haven't already watched it. Uh, but, you know, Goku only sacrificed himself one time. Every other villain has, like, pushed Goku's buttons by sacrificing another character, right? Mostly Krillin. Almost always Krillin. <laughs> Sometimes Yamcha. Uh, uh, but what's interesting is that when you bring up the fact that the superhero sort of never really fails at the thing that they're meant to superhero, right? Mm -hmm. The villain always has to push, especially when they're like an invincible type superhero, like Superman or Goku. Um, The villain always has to push the buttons around the character. So what I really love about anyone can wear the mask is that you have a lot of details for adding people to Mm -hmm. the, the story arcs, right? Making the weaknesses of the hero apparent, especially if they're not, a or if they are an immortal type of person and Uh, and and a big thing with that was like a big thing with that is there's two kind of beats to that that really like that really like sealed home like that was such a huge part of the design choice for me was to make it that like ordinary people in places were going to be a huge part of the game you you -hmm. spend as much time in the game like per minute like if you're looking at like a time map of the game (laughs) you spend an equal amount of time learning about the owner of this diner mm-hmm. as you do learning about the hero who is swooping in and saving. And that was a very intentional thing because a, that is my favorite thing in superhero comics, probably bar none is ordinary people who live in this world of superheroes like Marvel's uh, like the book. Marvel's is one of my like all time favorite comics. And that is just the Marvel's is a book about a photographer in the sixties Mm-hmm. who is just witnessing Marvel comics happen. Like it is mm. about a, it is a photographer in the sixties working for the daily planet or the daily planet, working for the daily bugle mm-hmm. who one day sees Galactus outside of his window. And like one day and like watches the fantastic four and pe- like, you know, become superheroes and you know, watches, wow. watches his boss, J Jonah Jameson get real angry at this teenage kid vigilante. <laughs> I want Spider-Man. pictures of Spider-Man. Like you, it is, it is all these things, these characters, and it's all just filtered through the perspective of like, I am just watching this happen. And like, that is mm-hmm. my absolute favorite. All of my favorite, like comic book characters are people like Bibbo Bibowski, who, if, who, if, who, if the name doesn't immediately jump out to you, 
I'm, I'm going to explain this just for those in the audience who might not be intently familiar with my it's favorite me. character, Bibbo Bibowski. Yeah, I'm not aware. <laughs> Bibbo is a, a dock worker in Metropolis. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's his that's his deal. He he is a dog worker in Metropolis, and he shows up often. And I love him. I love him with all of my heart. Uh, he's just Superman's buddy who works at the docks, and that's great. Those are the characters that I adore. So like, I wanted to, and I I love the other the other sort of point of reference that I will give is one of my all time favorite comic runs is a 90s comic uh, called Starman, which is about, like, a legacy hero inheriting a Golden Age superhero's power, and, like, they spend so much time, like, building the city that this character exists in as, like, a real place with people, and you get to know, like, locations, and you this city feels like a real place with real history to it, and I wanted mm-hmm. that really in the game because I wanted the end result to be like that you feel like you have a real place, right? Like I like you feel like you have a city that people can live in. And that is because that is something beautiful to me in superhero comics. And the other half of that, what you were talking about is like the here as like highlighting a hero's kind of weakness. I think I kind of actually approach it from the opposite perspective, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is me saying you're wrong. Now's where we That's get fine. combative. <laughs> I'm here for it. Tell me about your game you wrote so that I don't have to make wrong opinions no, no, no. about it. Um, no, I think, I think you're exactly right. Like it, like they're the people that the hero protects and they're, they're the people that are in danger and they're the, the hero's kind of obligation. So mm-hmm, I think you're exactly mm-hmm. right in that. But like the thing that is also the other side of that that's really important to me is mm-hmm. there's a is is and this is me breaking down the ending of the game using a hyper hyper specific uh superhero (laughs) reference the end of the game is cap is is a is an almost beat for beat recreation of my of one of my favorite superhero moments of any medium ever Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is uh, a very specific scene from the movie Spider-Man 2. We're focusing a lot on on different iterations of Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Spider-Man 2 has one of the greatest superhero scenes ever written. And there's a, some of it is, is ham fisted, but in a way that like all superheroes are ham fisted. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, It's, it's the scene where, so the ending of anyone can wear the mask is the villain wins. You flip the Joker. The villain wins. Much of the city is destroyed. You, you're pulling cards out of the deck. You're throwing them away. The villain ostensibly wins. The hero is beaten back. It is stated in the text, this is the only time the hero, capital F, fails. Mm-hmm. And then the city, the people in the city, the person, the player that has been spent the entire game making up ordinary people and watching people that they create get put in danger, steps up and says, no, like, we believe in you. We see what you've done. We see how you've helped us. And we want you to help us one last time and stop this threat. Like, we know that you can come back stronger. Mm-hmm. And then the hero accepts that and comes back stronger and saves the day mm-hmm. and ultimately defeats the villain. This is almost a beat for beat recreation of the scene in Spider-Man two where Dr. Octopus throws a subway at Spider-Man and he webs the sides of the buildings and he's Mm -hmm, holding on. mm -hmm. He's got his arms stretched and he slows it down and they pull him into the subway car and he's got his mask ripped off. And the kid walks up to him and goes like, you dropped this. And they, everybody stands around and they're like, don't worry. We're not going to tell anybody. And he puts on his mask and he goes and he fights Dr. Octopus and saves the day. 
one mm-hmm. of the greatest pieces of super like that the, th- the all three of the parts of that that scene is anyone can wear the mask like that's yeah. the game is the villain does a horrible thing the hero stops it and then the city like the people that the city that the hero saved go okay thank you we believe in you and we are going to help you do the thing that you can do mm-hmm. because the other part of the game and this is me this is me getting into this is me getting this is this is this is me getting into my comic book superhero as uh as metaphor uh the other half of the thesis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh is this is this is this is a very early superman like siegel and schuster golden age superman as superman was originally created not as superman was co-opted by a billion dollar corporation <laughs> picture of superman as community mutual aid Mm -hmm. which is which is in my eyes what the ideal of a superhero is it is the picture of someone accepting they have the capacity to do good for others in a certain specific context selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And choosing to do that directly for the good of people, not for established power structures. Like that mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I had to boil the idea of a superhero down, the things that resonate with me about a superhero and the things that I don't like about modern superhero media. It is Superman is not 
Superman's not a cop. Superman is not a, a is not beholden to power structures. Superman is someone that has power enough that he is not beholden to any existing structure. Mm-hmm. And that he could he could be the ultimate like iron bar, iron fist representation of that power structure. Mm-hmm. And instead he chooses to save cats from trees and say and catch people as they fall out of buildings. Or as he does in All-Star Superman, like before somebody is about to step off of a building, grab them and say, I, 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 I'm here for you and I'm ready to support you and give them a hug. Like mm-hmm. it is somebody with all the power in the world to enforce their will saying, well, I'm going to help people who don't have power and don't have a voice. And then he becomes a reporter. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I forget why we got to this question. <laughs> don't cry, Jeff. It's fine. <laughs> You say that, but I did cleaner. get a little choked up talking. About <laughs> I s- I can see it. No, no, no. I I see it in your in how connected you are to that version of the story. And you know, the first thing I thought about when you talked about how uh, Superman isn't like a police officer, I think about the for what I know of superheroes and their canons. I know that there's a version of Superman. Mm-hmm. It's like a parallel universe one where he's like a tyrant or something mm-hmm. like that. Like mm-hmm. he kind of rules. Metropolis and like the world essentially. Yep. Um, and I always found that version like I always think about like Superman is the strongest entity within like a hundred light years or whatever yeah. the distance requires. And like if he wanted to, he could probably smash the earth in half, but he chooses yeah. not to. And he, that's what makes Superman he, and Goku to some respect, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, relatively good people. As, and that's the thing I love about Superman is that he has the power. He, it's, it's, it is, it is, it's, I, I write it, I wrote it very specifically in the game that this is a story. This is an imaginary story about someone with great power who chooses to use that power for purely for good. And like Mm -hmm, that to mm -hmm. me is a superhero story, right? It is, it is, it is a story about someone choosing to use the, use, use the gifts, the powers, the abilities, the ways that they can help people to uplift people. Mm-hmm. rather than to than to than to, to to lift them up rather than to push them down that to me yeah. and that is the game that is the that's the superhero story that i wanted to write and that's what mm-hmm. i wanted to put into anyone can wear the mask yeah and also to add to the fact that the city reciprocates to the hero as well in that yeah. spider-man moment you mentioned earlier as well um just to commiserate so my you know i'm a big anime person i've been watching mm-hmm. anime since i was uh, six years old, my dad loved anime and got me like some of the first anime I watched was like Rama one half and project mm-hmm. Deco and stuff like that. Uh, like the, like seventies, eighties style. Anime. Right. Yeah. And there's uh, a recent shonen uh, that came out called demon slayer. It's been a manga for a while. And what it does to the shonen genre. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it kind of like shifts the, like the style of the protagonist a lot. So mm-hmm. if we compare it to a shonen like Naruto or um, My Hero Academia, which are fairly popular animes on the mainstream, both mm-hmm. of those protagonists want to be the best of something. Their whole yeah. like story is to be the Hokage, is to be the number mm-hmm. one hero. Tanjiro in Demon Slayer, all he wants to do is turn his sister back to a human being. Mm-hmm. No spoilers because this is like happens in episode one. Uh, but he doesn't want to be like the best demon slayer. He doesn't want to wield the ultimate techniques of his martial art or his superpowers. 
all mm-hmm. it's all a means to an end. And at the end of the day, when his sister is saved, he will stop being a demon slayer and go live in the mountains with his sister. Like right. the what's cool about that is that like it's a truly altruistic view of you know their their concept of the collect uh, uh, safety and success mm-hmm. of the collective rather than the individual, mm-hmm. and um, that all the people he helps out along the way, even the demons that he slays, he has empathy, he has recompense for what they've been going through. Um, and in many times, he doesn't brutally end any demon. Mm-hmm. He often uh, will do it out of a state of like mercy or out of a state of like, I know what you're going through and I know there's a part of you that doesn't want to live like this mm-hmm. anymore. So uh, I think that it's really cool that you make that type of story where the hero is just someone who's out there to help. It isn't, it doesn't, I think what I'm trying to say here, I think trying to put it into one sentence mm-hmm. is that this doesn't feel like a power fantasy. That's not That's, what it feels like. I, it, it's, and it's a, I, I love that you put it like that. And because like, uh, there's a, there was a Twitter thread by a dear friend of mine, uh, Jadzia Axelrod, who had talked about, was talking about superheroes. Jadzia is a is a fellow superhero enthusiast, um, and she was talking about how the idea how superheroes when you boil them down like a superhero is a power fantasy right like superhero mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to 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 pick to fantasize about a superhero is to, is to quite literally fantasize about power they are yeah, yeah and the important thing to consider and this was something that I put a lot of thought into with anyone can wear the mask is whose power fantasy are you telling? Cause I mm-hmm. think that is like, uh, the biggest criticism that you can like point at a superhero is like, whose power fantasy is this, right? Like, is this, and, and to me, the ideal, and this, this points back to, this points back to Superman, this points to Spider-Man, like, like the best, like the best of superheroes to me are power fantasies of marginalized and like, silence not silence but like marginalized and like people who don't have a sense of like power and structure and safety building a fantasy of like what it would look like if somebody gave us that power and security and fantasy or and and safety in an altruistic sense right like Mm -hmm. superman and superman and superman's one of superman's close relatives like superman and captain america are both characters that were created by Jewish authors in the 1930s, like as a representation mm-hmm. of like the, of like, I am living in an unsafe time. This is a character that represents a level of safety that like represents a level of safety and protection. Spider-Man mm-hmm. is Spider-Man like represents Spider-Man both in, you know, Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Gwen, uh, Gwen Stacy, whatever your spider person is represents a person of like being young and being burdened with like adulthood and mm-hmm. like and 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 still but being able to kind of like enact a positive change in the world despite all of that like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that power fantasy is very good it is it it's what i love about superheroes and so like it was something that i was really consciously thinking about when writing anyone can wear the mask uh was because like as i was mid writing it was when i saw this twitter thread and went okay let me step back <laughs> like i have to i have to really think about this yeah yeah, yeah. And and one of the nice things that I think is in the game, like there's a nice touch in the game that kind of like gets at that a little bit, which is there is a mechanic in the game and it states at several points throughout that like 
people in positions of power and authority do not like your superhero regard like however you make them whatever powers you give them whether they have no powers or they're a living god like it is it is canon in the works of the game like three things are canon in the text of anyone can wear the mask Mm -hmm. people in power don't like your hero Mm -hmm. people in power are actively choosing not to make the world a better place like Mm -hmm. there are people that could be doing what you're doing and are just flat out choosing not to Mm -hmm. and you as a hero are choosing to do what they're not like you're choosing to improve to make things better for people on whatever scale you can reasonably do that yeah i wanted to make that specific because that to me is really important partially because you know we're living in 2021 right like that is yeah it's people in power be it's it's a thing it's a thing and it's it's very true to like what a superhero is right like a superhero is someone like like the fantasy of a superhero is well what if you could what if you do what if you had the power to make things better and you actually did it and like mm-hmm. that to me was what i was what i, I wanted to bake that in so i appreciate you pointing out like power fantasy because that was really consciously on my mind of like how do i write a superhero power fantasy that i as a as a as a queer person living in 2020 like how do i make that a power fantasy that I feel comfortable existing in the world. How do I put out a power fantasy that doesn't represent the world that I don't like? How do I, how do I, how do I not create a power fantasy that, that include, that includes me and includes my voice? How do I write that into a story? And the end result was anyone can wear the mask. Yeah. It's uh, the, it's all very versatile when it comes to, because you lay sort of no groundwork for, or no restrictions onto like what version of a hero can be right. Mm-hmm. You meant, you mentioned like anywhere from living God to vigilante to like mm-hmm. pro- even like Bilbo, the dock worker, right? Like Bilbo probably yeah. does heroic things. And uh, did I say Bilbo? Is it Bebo or Bilbo? Bi- it's Bibbo. Bibbo, excuse me. I did both wrong. Uh, Bill, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Bilbo, Bilbo, if you're doing a heroic story about, about a dock work, about a dock worker who is also a hobbit with a magical ring, I'm all about this. I'm all about this. Um, I'm here for this. But some of the, you know, I think for some people in this, I want to caveat salt, grain of salt this and that. I'm sure. not trying to punch down on any of our law enforcement workers who really mean well in the world. But I think something to look at is that the the status quo is kept, but like the people who made the rules and the structures by which we live by here in mm-hmm. 2021 of the vacuum of America is that it's to maintain the order that is has been present since the country's inception, right? Yeah, right. And that what we're playing and anyone can wear the mask is the person's like, okay, I do have power and authority in my own way and I'm... I am actively going against the current status quo yeah. because the status quo is not um, designed for everyone. It's designed for the Correct. people yeah. who uh, who <laughs> made it, right? Who made the status quo. So yeah. I think that's also, an imp- uh, some, sometimes in the show, I think it's also interesting to examine the message that the, a game, a piece of literature, right? Yeah, right. Uh, can send to the person playing it, albeit consciously or subconsciously 100 right? uh and i i love it the i love all of that i love that those things were at the forefront in principle mm-hmm. of the design of this 
And uh, I love that you were able to find a way to escape the the power fantasy of mm-hmm. super powered individuals because that's not what the story is about. It's about the emotional care you have for the people that you're helping. Yeah. And then the emotional care that is reciprocated upon you from the, like, there's always this two way street of I'm helping you. So we're here to help you when the time right. comes. That's, and that's, that's so, that's so much of what I was after with the game is like, I wanted to, I, I was thinking a lot about, and the more I talk about the game, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that really was the thing that was on my mind was like <laughs> was like mutual aid was the thing on my mind. Right. Was like mm-hmm. if I am if I am if I am if I am one punch man. Right. Like if I'm one yeah. punch man and my thing is that I can punch, I can be- defeat anyone <laughs> with one punch. Then I then then my role, then my role in a better world is to punch the thing that needs to be punched. Yeah. But. Yeah in exchange like finding a world in which like if i have this power then 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 finding the way to apply that meaningfully and and purposefully and in in a com- and communally and then thinking about okay well then what is then like how does that what's the other half of that right like the other half of that being if my role is to if my role is to is, is to offer protection in sort of a communally focused way having that 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 relationship the relationship between hero and city where the other people's role is to say okay like you've done this but we recognize the weight that goes into it and we're here to support you in that like that was a very intentional thing and and i i i think it's it's a lot it's a game about you you put it you put it exactly right just now like it's a game about like caregiving which is Mm -hmm. ironic because it's a superhero game about like (laughs) blowing up asteroids that are coming to the planet but like it's a game about caregiving i there, mm-hmm. I, had, I had a great conversation uh, like i had some great conversations as i was writing this game about like this is a game about giving and receiving care to one another right like mm-hmm. this is a game about like shouldering responsibility and saying like i have to do this thing and then asking for support and receiving the support from the people that you are that you are helping and then when you need it, having those people there, right? Like having those same people be like, you you helped me when I needed it. So now I can help you and I can return that favor mm-hmm. is to me the secret heart of the game. Like that to me mm-hmm. is the heart of what of what I'm doing with the game is I'm here to help you when you need it. And I hope that you can return the favor when I need it. And like that to mm-hmm. me is is what the game is all about. Yeah, I love it. I think it's beautiful. Uh, the the sort of second piece, game design wise, that I kind of looked at this and uh, that you mentioned a little bit earlier in the show is that uh, you make each location matter. So like mm-hmm. one of the and by that you you t- you anchor it with something sp- uh, meaningful to the hero in your in your excuse me in your fictional positioning pieces mm-hmm. of like, Hey, you find an ally here, you find a rival here, or you, mm-hmm. you know, you, um, and I think what I like about that is, and someone said this to me, I don't remember who I was talking to, but someone talked about how, Oh, it was uh, Randy Lubin mm-hmm. was talking about how in films or in shows when locations change, sometimes it also means that the art, like the act or the arc of the story changes as well. Like location change also means a change of act or arc. Yeah. And what in that advice and in this game, one of the things that, and I'm always comparing this to the most played 
role-playing game in the world. Uh, but there's always this, it's, the It's weird that you would compare it to itself, but that's fine. <laughs> Listen, Jeff, I agree. Uh, but there's always that that travel phase or whatever mm-hmm. that doesn't really mean anything. Like the the walk through, you give it a name, right? You give it the name like uh, um, the the Black Marsh. You give it a yeah. name like the Lost Forest or something like yeah. that. But it doesn't really ever matter because it's just a means to an end to get to the actual location that you gave weight. And what I like about anyone can wear the mask is that every location matters. You draw out a map, you, you mm-hmm. kind of make this bullet journal situation happen for you as you play the game. And the, what it, what it does is two things. One, it makes every location care narratively. Mm-hmm. Second is that, and I think it's the thing that like DMS for D and D always search for in like backstories or when people get attached to something is like for the villain, it gives the villain something to point to every yeah. time. Oh yeah. Every time there's never like, why would I why would I ever point to the black marsh when it never matters, right? But I will point to Joe's deli because I know that you get a sandwich from Joe every day at mm-hmm. noon and that's a part of your daily habit. And what if Joe just wasn't there one day? Mm-hmm. Where's Joe? Uh, and I think that's very cool to add that sort of weight to locations. And I think it it allows for more emergent narrative to occur. Uh, rapidly uh, rather than having sort of this fluff in between time. Like I don't care that I'm walking down 68th Avenue over to Joe's deli, but Mm -hmm. also if 68th Avenue is where I meet my crush every day on my way to Joe's deli before they go into work, that matters now. Right. Side note, I'm immediately invested in in this story and I'm like, (laughs) what's going to happen with the, are they going to Joe's deli? Um, I, I love, yeah, and, like, the thing that I love about, the thing that I love about, like, the locations in Anyone Can Wear the Mask is, you're exactly right, like, there's something beautiful about, and it's something that I think is lost a lot in, in games, like you said, like, the travel portions of games and, like, but the other thing, the place that I think it gets lost a lot, ironically, is superhero comics. Interesting. I, I, I think that, like, you don't, and, like, I it's something that, like, I'm really, I love in this game is, like, I love, like you said, locations matter. I really mm-hmm. like that. I like that it's not just, it's, because, like, you know, there's very often in a superhero scenario, if you're picturing, like, the platonic ideal, you're on a city street. Like, mm-hmm. what city street? Like, but, like, thinking about, like, but living in a city, right? Like, living in Philadelphia and, like, looking around, like, <laughs> streets and city, like, streets and neighborhoods, like, have mean it have stories have people and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i wanted to bring that out and i wanted to capture a thing that i really do love in superhero comics which is it's not just it's not just a building you're like this is not just a skyscraper it's a skyscraper of the daily planet it's got the big globe on the top of it we have an emotional connection to that place and the the hero does but also like i think equally importantly like we as the reader have an association with that right like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh we have a we have an association with pop's diner in riverdale because we <laughs> see it all the time right yeah. like it's not like you could have that you could have this scene take place in any restaurant but we have it in Pop's Diner because that's the restaurant that, like, the characters know and that we as the reader also yeah. know. Yes. Like, having, and 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 that's the, and I love that specifically because, like, it means that every, that, like, every location, 
gives us that experience, right? Like if mm-hmm. I, if you and I create Joe's Deli, right? Which it's down the street from where you meet your crush. It's yeah, where you get yeah. your sandwich every day. Uh, they make the, like nobody orders it because nobody thinks to order. You only order it if you live on that block, but they have yeah. the best, the best, the best French dip in town. Like yeah, you're not yeah, going to yeah. find, you're, you're not going to find anywhere close. The Oju <laughs> is just, it's made fresh every day. It's fantastic. Um, we make that place. Then later on in the story, when we're trying to like come up with where uh, the scene where you meet your crush is, we go, okay, it's outside of Joe's Deli. Like we have yeah, that association. Yeah. We created these places, and the like that's really, it's what I love about the game because it creates these, it creates locations that matter. And mm-hmm. the other part of it that I love is like the turn structure of it because the turn starts with you flipping it and like describing a location and people. It, it captures another thing that I love from from superhero comics, which is I'm I'm a single issues guy. I love mm-hmm. reading like a single discrete issue of a story and going mm-hmm. like I, I love, you know, we op- we open on we open in Joe's Deli, right? Like we open in this location. <laughs> we learn about this location. Oh, no. Then a supervillain shows up and then the hero shows up. But like that experience of like getting to, of like the issue structure, right? The very discreet, like here is an issue of a superhero comic being a turn of anyone can wear the mask. I love it. It makes me so mm-hmm. happy because you get to tell these little concrete 15 minute stories. And it just is a, it's, it's a wonderful, joyful thing that I adore. Mm-hmm. I think also what this game captures is a sense of proper scope. So like, mm-hmm when for anime like i think about the the superhero examination that currently is my hero academia sure yeah um and how we get to know a lot about the superheroes and the villains and i feel like the city is very left behind uh-huh. like uh, i don't i don't know about any citizens unless they are like That's relative the to the immediate plot right it's uh and not only that but then i also think about the avengers how we have sure they have their allies and their friends and their in their relationships but we never really get to like know about the city like i don't <laughs> me and my me and my partner do this every time we watch something where a building gets destroyed i'm like that's ten thousand people dead right there <laughs> like nobody's gonna talk about that nobody's talking uh, about I, I yeah it's there's two things that i adore there i have two things to point to that i genuinely like adore and one of them was a tweet that was going around yesterday and the other thing is a is a is a plot point in a movie there is there is a reason that uh oh what is what is hold on I have to look up the character's name Go ahead. I know it's Michael Peña's character from Ant-Man and I don't remember his character's name Luis Luis there's a reason that mm-hmm, Luis mm-hmm. there's a reason that Luis is the most is the most popular character from Ant-Man and it's because he's just a guy yeah <laughs> he's just yeah. a guy with interesting stories <laughs> I love Louis. I love Louis. Louis is so good. And like, you're, you're exactly right. And the other thing that's been going around is a clip from the movie, the Avengers, when mm-hmm. like a building explodes and people are running and there's just one lady who just <laughs> books it. And like, everybody's running in the kind of the movie where like, Oh, and this, this person just like pushes someone aside and just barrels. And it's like, that's how I would react. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. like I just watched a building. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hanging. I'm not, you know, a physically active man, but I'm getting out of there. I'm yeah. not hanging around. <laughs> and like, you're right. Like, like the, and like, 
I want to know. I want to know her story. Like, I want to know that person's deal. Right. Like, I want to know. I want I love stories about ordinary people. Yeah. Yeah. I think it grounds the superhero. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. it, it, when we talk about the power level structure of something mm-hmm. and like that suspense of disbelief, I don't think when like my hero, when I think about the Avengers, it all gets like washed because like, yeah. Oh, what, what the only stakes that can exist is like the planet or the whole city. Right. There's no stakes for like Joe's deli. There's no stakes for, uh, my crush. That I sort of know tangentially in 78th street means a lot to us or mm-hmm. like, her apartment is right here or their apartment, uh, whatever have you. And like, it's, it's, there's no grounding. There's no grounding for stories that really focus on just the superhero. And then like the, the cosmic stakes that are unfolding. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? There, I think why recently like spider verse was one of my favorite movies and why spider man is always sticks out to a lot of people. And like Mm -hmm. the spider man hero, not just the movies. Yeah. Like as a character. Yeah. As all versions, but like as a character is like spider man doesn't have crazy superpowers and all the people that he deals with are like mad scientists, burglars, uh, um, other genetically altered people that are Mm -hmm. not immortal by any stretch Mm -hmm. of the imagination. And, there's so many places that like Peter Parker, Miles, Gwen care about. They visit on the daily like that. I think you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong. My, my comic book lineage is uh, non-existent actually, yep. but I feel like I've seen scenes or comic book strips where Peter visits that grocery store again, that convenience store that that burglar was in. I want to say, I want to say, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's a scene that has played out. But you know, that's going to, you know, where that dude was like, that's going to live forever with Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. And that place is going to live forever with us. Right. Yeah, for sure. When it's compared to like my hero, like I only sort of know where Deku's mom lives. Like if, if, if Shibuya is in trouble, like I don't know like does it matter like we don't know about any of those people there so why does that building getting destroyed or this uh sewer system getting blown out matter to the story at all why not just talk about a small village where all of these superheroes exist and maybe we'd have something more emotionally concrete for the atmosphere and that's not to say like people who are watching this you aren't attached like deku or bakugo or all might or whatever have you but you know we're talking about the scope, like being attached to the scope of the story, yeah. especially and, in comparison to anyone can wear the mask. And it's, it's about, it's about creating a war. Like there's, there's, there's also just like a world building element to it. Um, yeah. One of the things that like, I like about the game that like from a marketing perspective, I leaned really hard on when promoting the game. And this mm. was a very conscious decision in part because I won't be in part out of like marketing promotional reasons. And in part, because in my, in my head, I was like, this is the ideal use of the game was using this game in conjunction with like an ongoing superhero role-playing game like that you're already playing so we did Mm -hmm. i was on i want to say 15 masks actual plays i did so Mm -hmm. many masks actual plays (laughs) um but like and that was a very intentional decision because i was like i want i want to i want to do a thing where like i go on to a superhero themed actual play podcast and we make a bunch of locations and we make a bunch of people mm-hmm. and then you just have those. And like, mm-hmm. that's the thing that I love is like, 
it, it, it like you said, like it creates locations that mean something to us as people. Mm-hmm. like as as viewers as as the as the as the audience of our comic like it creates locations that have a meaning to us so like it's just a cool thing it's a cool possibility of the game that like you can drop this into a masks game and be like okay cool we played this we have this cool story that we told and also i can now start my next story at joe's deli like i know that this place mm-hmm. exists like and then immediately all the other people at the table are like oh yeah yeah okay cool 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 no i know i know what yeah, that yeah, is yeah. like we we saw that we saw that you get that that association because like there is nothing and like the spider-man example is a great example like there's nothing there like you're not like that grocery store is like you can go to any grocery store or you can go to the grocery store where spider-man didn't stop a burglar that you know and yeah. like that's going to have red like that's immediately going to have resonance and your audience is immediately going to be like okay i'm in like i'm in i want to yeah, see what yeah. happens here things that happen in this location have stakes now that we're at this location mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. creating a game that creates those locations and those stakes like there's that's just a cool world building element and it's something that like brings me a lot of joy that it exists in the game in terms of this is a thing that you can this is a way to use the game. It is a way to interact with this thing. And I, I, I think it's very cool. Yeah, I think it's very cool as well. Uh, and you have, because I hinted at it earlier, it's sort of maybe like the last bits for anyone who wear the mask here, but you also have some different mode, like optional rules, modes of play that you mm-hmm. offer in the book that's, that seem very inspired by A, the, the style of games that you're interested in, and B, also the style mm-hmm. of games that, um, uh, excuse me, Party of One podcast is based around so you know you have a player for the hero you have a player for the villain you have a player for the city but then what they're they're talk to me about like was it principal design that there were going to be other modes of play for this game um so there were a few reasons for that it was Mm -hmm. it there were a few reasons for that one of them one of them is 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 the last like major game that i wrote was Mission Impossible, uh, Mission Impossible was Mission Accomplished. There's a salute in the title. Um, <laughs> Mission Accomplished. There was uh, is a game with a minimum of four players. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this game, and I took this game to Kickstarter, and the response that I got, and people were right to make this response. I want to specify that. Mm-hmm. People went. Jeff, Jeff, you're the two-player games guy. Why didn't you write a game that's compatible with two players? And I said, I don't know. I said, it's not. I was like, they were like, how do you play your game with two players, two-player games guy? And I said, you honest to goodness cannot. It literally will not work. Not only does it not work with two players, it does not work with three. You need a Mm -hmm. minimum of four people at that table to make this game work. And Mm -hmm. I, for a long time, and, you know, people will ask me, Hey Jeff, what's a game that you can't play on Party of One that you really wish you could? And I'm like, it's the one that I wrote. It's the yeah. one that I created. It's my, the one with my name on on it. Is the one that I can't play on the show. Um. So, partially, I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that partially the reason that those those alternate modes of play are in the book was so that nobody went to me and said, ha ha, you wrote a three-player game, two-player game guy. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> Be like, not today. <laughs> not today. Um, so I was like, and related to that, point B, because I am nothing if not a shameless marketer at all times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I was like, okay, 
I'm gonna feature this on Party of One, which means mm-hmm. I need a set of two player rules in the book so I can yeah. justify this being an episode of Party of One. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but the real, but the truth is like, it was a lot of just like thinking about like how the game worked. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like it was, it was very consciously. And part of it is also like I love solo RPGs. I play a lot of them when I'm sitting around. Like mm-hmm. I love solo play. I love single player games. And like as I was kind of like fiddling with the mechanics and thinking through like, okay, this is this is how this is gonna work. It kind of came very naturally to kind of like once I so once I wrote the two player rules, then I was able to kind of be like the single player rules just fell into place. But like it was a lot of I wanted to make sure I I like a lot when games put why why or how things work in the text. Mm-hmm. Like I I love games that include not just like what the rules are, but why they are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And I want and 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 the 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 two player mode of the game and the single player mode of the game is kind of me explaining that a little bit to explain like, look, here's here's why these here's what here's what these roles are. And if you're going to remove this element. Here's what this is going to look like, like, here's how mm-hmm. here's how you should compensate if you're going to remove this piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. if you're going to remove one of the three players that is recommended for the game, here's what is more important so that you don't get a weird, bad experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if the two player get the two player version, uh, the recommendation is like, if you're going to get rid of a player, get rid of the villain and have the villain role, have you be the city and me be the hero. And then we just kind of mutually agree on what the villain stuff is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, and, and it's, and the reason that I, that I specify that and it's in the text and I think it's, it's a thing that I like when designers talk about this stuff in text is it says very clearly because the hero and the city are the more important of the three. Like mm-hmm, the relationship mm-hmm. between hero and city is more central to the to the themes of the game than the relationship between hero and villain or villain and city. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it is more you're you're gonna lose more by either removing the hero i'm not even sure what that would look like uh or removing the removing the city if you remove the hero and we make that a shared role between us then what that looks like is we kind of lose the sense of like we lose the sense of really getting to reflect on like what the hero's journey is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if we remove the city player and we kind of mutually share that role, you kind of lose the everyday element of it. Like Mm -hmm. you were saying, like it kind of becomes a bit more of an, a bit more of a superhero story where it's all just generic skyscrapers and there's no Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I I wanted to kind of break down, like as the designer of the game, like if you're going to remove a part, here's how, here's the part that I would suggest you remove. And here's how I suggest you compensate it. Because I think like as a designer, like like the design perspective is I think it's really interesting to put those types of observations into play. Right. Like I think it's really interesting to put those kind of observations into the text of the game to say, like, here's why 
this rule is in place. And if you're going to mess with this rule, here's what you need to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. I think even, uh, even in talking about how you probably wouldn't do a hero and villain version, my brain, my brain is tickled on, on two ideas that just, that just came up. One, I totally see a supplement where you do like a relationship. Like, cause we mentioned, uh, no, not we mentioned. I was looking at a TikTok post on Twitter from Chris Bissett, who was recommending uh, great tarot card games. And the mm-hmm. one, Tension by Adira Slattery, is about. Great game. Uh, great game. Yeah, great game. Uh, is about uh, the murderer and the person who's trying to catch the murderer. And. I think it'd be an interesting supplement to do like a hero and villain kind of specific game. And like, it's a relationship building game. And Ooh, I think it I like also that. Work that would be interesting. Yeah. That'd be like interesting. Like it's a framework to attach a person to their antithesis. Right. Cause I think a lot of superhero stories are like that three, uh, thesis antithesis mm-hmm. and then synthesis, right? Like that sort of narrative character mm-hmm. arc. So I think that'd be an interesting supplement. The second thing that I thought about, I've had a couple people on here talk about put designer notes into the game and how, like, what are you doing if you remove this piece? Like, what am I warning you against if you try to remove these pieces from the game? And I've also seen conversations about SRDs or licensing creative commons. And what if there was, this is more of like a business side brain thing that's happening. I love, I love business side talk. This is my favorite. <laughs> But a lot of people give the SRD away for like free or like a, a low amount of money. But now I think of like adding designer notes of, hey, when you purchase this game, you are also purchasing the license to SRD it, right? This is the full game. It has a setting. It has all this art, whatever. But there are going to be uh, acronomic pieces. Is that a word? (laughs) Acronyms, you know, like this section is SRD material and you are open to hacking it, right? So I think about this license purchase business model thing that can also come from that designer input of like, hey, uh, when you recreate this game for your game, you're welcome to use this piece of the hero, the city, the villain. But the thing you can't use is like, quote unquote, can't use because you could probably hide something enough, scrape off enough serial numbers that you can yeah. use whatever you, you know, to some extent, I'm not trying to police your game. I, but I, I don't know. I, I scraped the serial numbers off of Super off of Spider-Man <laughs> and called it yeah. anyone can wear the mask. I can't yeah. judge you. I can't come yeah. to you. <laughs> But I think there's, there's I did this not, interesting... I did not write the quote, anyone can wear the mask. Shockingly, exactly. that, was not, that was not a Jeff Stormer brain freeze. <laughs> also, the cover for anyone can wear the mask is a very Oh, my brilliant. God, Eli. It's such, Eli. A good, such a powerful, Eli, so smart. Eli crushed it so much. Uh, he just... every the, the art and the layout, Eli, Eli Forbes and, and, and Blue Tuesdays just, like wrecked it in the best yeah. possible way yeah like yeah. every step of the way i was like and and really truly the story is that i tweeted out like hey does anybody do like comic book superhero stuff that wants to work on a game and they both responded and i looked at their stuff and i was like to you two I, i'm yeah. gonna i'll work with both of you separately but like i want and literally like every time they delivered me a thing i just sat on the couch and like sat next to jen and was like Jen, look, look at the, look at the, the thing. It's, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Incredible. it's, it's very good. I get an immediate sense of what I'm playing yeah. right off oh, the rip. Oh, I'm so happy. Right off I the rip. It. Right off the rip. Um, but yeah, this, these two, con- that, that concept and then the concept of like purchasing SRD common, like purchasing the license as you purchase the game is a cool business concept that I, that I might consider. 
something that will, will and, and kind of what bouncing off of that, like something that like popped into my head is, and I'm, sh- and I know people have probably have done this. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I'm certain this is, this is, this is Jeff Stormer inventing a concept that I'm sure already exists. Um, the idea of like the idea of buying the, um, buying the, the director's commentary edition mm, where it's mm-hmm. like the text of it's like the text of a game and then a whole little extra call out blurb of like here's what's here's what's important to me about this like here's why this yeah. piece of text is really important mm, like mm, that mm, is mm. that's something that i'm going to be considering frankly i probably yeah. with anyone can wear the mask because as this conversation is illustrated there's a lot of stuff that i could point to and be like if you like this moment in the game you should check out this comic book because it has this moment that's oh, really important to me that'd be so fun that would be that's so really fun jeremy i uh fuck <laughs> yeah there it is there's our one there's our yeah. bomb. we dropped it with purpose yeah. and intent we got this um <laughs> that's really good that's a really yeah. good i like the idea what a fun and, like way to have a conversation with the person reading the book right and and being able to like have a conversation with like and and like i'm i'm i'm, I'm excited about the idea of this like writing it i i mean this is probably going to be a thing that makes it into the final product <laughs> but the idea of like writing this thing now like writing it now and not while the game is in production is exciting to me as an idea yeah. in terms of like the in terms of like i am now i am now having a conversation with this finished product right like mm-hmm. i am going back and reading things and going here's why i said this oh i didn't even realize i was thinking about this topic mm-hmm. that's really that's really really good it's really good and to also like connect two worlds right because like I, I love, I love, 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 love anyone can wear the mask, but I do not know dick about comic books. I've seen superhero animations. I've seen superhero movies. So I have like a general sense, but I, I can imagine that a comic book narrative structure is, and I read a lot of manga. So, uh, I'm tangentially there, but I'm not in it. Right. I don't have any like place of like, how do I start with comic books? Yeah. Doing, doing that director's comment specifically for you and anyone can wear the mask, doing a director's commentary, we both talk about the rules, but also like. I took this from issue, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. from except like it open. It's a gateway piece to putting people into another hobby if they so choose to dive in. Right. And I think yeah. that's uh, ex- that can be exponentially resonant for the product in of itself, at least in my opinion. I, I really love that idea. And I think I'm going to have to run with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let it rip. You can have that one for free, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, Great. Well, that's that's anyone Dang. can wear that. I think that's a good amount of information yeah. for anyone can wear the mask. I would buy it off of this podcast from that. Uh, amazing. Well, good news. You can. <laughs> First up is the trends section of the show. Uh, Jeff, as always, trends. What are you seeing in your social commentaries, your Twitter threads, your discords, your own personal like game design ethos? Uh, trends that you're seeing that are really cool for the industry that you're like thumbs upping or want to point, like highlight? Uh, what are 
or what are some trends that you feel like are rearing their ugly heads and maybe you want to caution people that are maybe like being detractful to either the narratives that you're surrounding or anything like that uh, other than sort of the obvious ones, right? And then um, something that's like hidden and sliming its way mm-hmm. through. Or what are some trends within you that you want to speak into the ethos so that anyone listening to this can kind of just take it and run away with it? Well, you know what I love to talk about here, Jeremy? You know what I love yeah. talking about? Walk one, me of my favorite, one of my favorite topics is me. It's this guy <laughs> right here. Um, uh, I want to talk about a trend that I uh, I have done, and it's relevant to anyone can wear the mask, and I'm excited to talk about it because it's uh, specific to the game and a trend mm-hmm. that's happening right now and that I'm really excited to see people playing with, and that is a concept that now has a name, and I want to talk about itch funding because it's great. Cool. It's a cool yep. idea. It's exciting. Yep. I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited that it has a name to it. Um, the idea of like people building crowdfunding tools into like non crowdfunding platforms. So the most literal example is, is taking, building your itch.io page and going, here's how much money I want to make with this product. Here's mm-hmm. what happens if I make that money here. Are my, here's what happens if I make more than this amount of money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. building, uh, what we did for anyone can wear the mask that like was a really like I was really happy about was like taking Kickstarter reward tiers and just offering them and being like, yeah. I'll run a game. You know, you give me you give me a chunk of money. I'll run a game for you. Like mm-hmm. I, I would have offered that had I brought this game to Kickstarter. So I will just offer that to you now. Like you can just have that. It's so it's exciting. And I think it's a really exciting way to see people develop like people build a marketing platform for themselves in a way that is uniquely optimized. Like it, it's, it's taking the tools that worked elsewhere and building them into and applying them across the board in a way that's really exciting to me. And I'm really exciting to excited to see that developing across the board. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it feels cool to see that taking shape and see people kind of going, you just kind of asking the question of like, why can't I, why can't I release this version of my game and say, Hey, if a hundred people buy this, I will pay for art and layout. Like mm-hmm. that's cool. That's cool and exciting. And like, it's, I'm excited to see it developing. And like, I have a lot of thoughts about how it fits into sort of the, the game design world and pe- whether or not it's a full on replacement for Kickstarter. My, my hottest take is I don't is, I mean, even as someone of the people that has been sort of like, flag bearing the idea it's like i don't mm-hmm. think it's a full-on replacement but mm-hmm. i think it's a practice that we should be practicing even if it's not i don't know it's exciting it's exciting and cool and i'm into it i'm ex- and, and seeing people do things with it that i never thought to do with it that i didn't think to do with mask is like really exciting to me i think what's interesting here and we could probably the second sort of lightning round portion of, of this of the segments is, is sort of a tip tldr tip like if someone wants to scrub all the way to the end and find something give me those watch hour or listen hours for free or whatever but i think we'll we'll combine these conversations because i think there's a lot of things that can come in because you like you said you've been the flag bearer mm-hmm. you've been sort of the propagator of the itch funding idea at least in tandem with the degreening conversation from the brain mm-hmm. trust podcast between will and adam um I think that there are a lot of pieces to talk about here in the marketing sphere as well, which was what I was going to ask you anyways. Yep. But um, I had I had a conversation with Tracy Barnett uh, yep. about a week or two ago and had been aware that you had a conversation with them regarding sort of like market fun- funneling and everything like yep. that. Yep. 
and uh, they recently changed their structure of sort of this itch funding, crowdfunding uh, concept is that on their Patreon, they said, no matter what amount of tier you purchase on, you will get access to all of my content at the same time, whether you pay me $1 or $20. And obviously they've structured it so that, mm-hmm. you know, it's one, five, 15, 20, like all the options are there. Yeah. All the standard like Patreon options are there. And, but to create work for themselves and create sort of this uh, altruistic crowdfunding mm-hmm. motion, which I also think itch funding is uh, also attempting to do, at least in my experience, what I'm seeing other people doing is that, hey, when I reach 75 patrons, uh, I will start to work on an update to this game or I will yeah. add art to this game or, or whatever Tracy's plan is when it comes to those amounts. Oh, it's it's a great it's it's a really great approach and it's it's hugely exciting. And the reason that came from, I think what that idea came from, Tracy was pointing out to me, is that you had a conversation with them about sort of this cycle funneling. Yeah, so you have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know you know, but just to show that I, what I've heard, sure. uh, I will not get it exactly right, I promise, <laughs> is that, you know, there there's the top layer of the funnel mm-hmm. where people <clears throat> are sort of hearing about your stuff and yep. uh, you're, you're trying to get them down to buy the product, right? You get them down, you get them to the place where they can buy it, they buy it, and then the last sort of portion is that they're talking about it. Yeah, and then right. you cycle that through because the people who talk about it make people who hear about it and that starts the funnel You've all got over it. You, again. You, you, you pretty much got it exactly right. It's Perfect. It's, it's the top of the funnel is awareness. It is it is people becoming aware of you, aware of your work, aware of the things that you are offering or the problems that that, that they did not were not aware that they had. And then there's mm-hmm, the middle mm-hmm. of the funnel, which is you going, well, if you if you have this, if you're looking for this thing, if you have this problem, if you're addressing this thing, here's how here's some ways that you can address it, such mm-hmm. as including this thing that I have. And then mm-hmm. the bottom of the funnel is I have this thing and you should buy it. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm, once you're mm-hmm. out of the funnel, exactly right. You, you, you encourage them to talk about the thing that they did because then you can cycle it back around and, and spread that awareness. It is, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's the core of marketing. It's what, it's what powers like the actual nine to five marketing work that I do. <laughs> uh, uh, and it gets me excited. I, it turns out I really like marketing. <laughs> yeah. I listen, I also, it, for anyone that's been re- recently listening to the show, I, I, I'm also very business-minded. I'm very entrepreneurial-minded. My dad was very entrepreneurial-minded, and so I think I get a lot of that from him. Mm-hmm. He had like a car wa- He had a car washing business, a limousine service. He used to be a landscaping contractor. Uh, he built our house. Uh, he added additions to our house. Um, he helped plot out for like a suburba back in California. He was a musician. He played a bunch of different instruments. He was just a man of many hats that never graduated high school and wanted to make his own life for himself. And I, I always look up to him for that. And, uh, so dad, if you're listening, hi, I like you. Uh, and there is also, also my dad, if you're listening to this, I also like you. You're probably not, (laughs) but I feel like it's nice to put it out there. Same, same. Uh, but I think that there is something to examine here when it comes to thinking about the different structures in which your business can take shape. And mm-hmm. what I like about Tracy's model is that what they're basically saying is for $1 a month, I am propositioning you to talk about my game at minimum $1 a month to talk about my content so that mm-hmm. you can bring other people who are willing to pay 
one dollar a month. Maybe you bring in people who are willing to pay five dollars a month. It's whatever yeah. the value for the for the consumer is, right? And so yeah. I think it's really important to. I love that you brought up bitch funding. I love that we're talking about it. I love that we're talking about marketing. And uh, this this podcast is not just about the fun of game design, which is cool. It's a mm-hmm. it's a, certainly a portion of it, but it's also for people who are like, I want to make game design something that sustains my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and we have to talk about business and sometimes business things can be scary and, but it's a, it's a, a necessity if, if that's the direction you want to, if that is a direction you want to go into. Um, and so with your itch funding, what have you sort of found? What have you changed on? What have you iterated on since starting the, what like the the distillation of what Kickstarter is and trying to get that into a different space that's a little less uh, rat racey, right? Um, what I figured, what I found, the the thing that I found, the one real, and this kind of bleeds into like the tip that I would give people, and Tracy's model I think is a perfect illustration of it. What I did with Mask is a really good illustration of it, and that is uh, that all of the rules are fake and that nothing matters. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is which 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 sounds har- like sounds like harsh or extreme or, or worrying. But like what I mean by that is like. You can do like like there is there is a model like the principles of marketing are sound, right? Like they've been mm-hmm. tested. They've been they've been shown to work. They they, they follow a logical pattern. Mm-hmm. But like. Everything else, like assumed wisdom is kind of not really a th- like we're in such a small, weird niche industry that like, and like the internet is so large and nebulous and like taking like the shape of things is so like non-existent that like you can kind of build things. However you think is going to be the right model for your, Mm -hmm. you know, like put thought into it, apply like good marketing practices to it, get, you know, but like Tracy's model like works and is good and is strong. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, like the conventional wisdom is like, if you're going to do, a big push and you want to pay for art for your game and you want to pay for all these extra things, you got to do a Kickstarter. And like, I didn't, and I still paid for those things. Like those mm-hmm. things are all going to get yep. paid for. And the reason is because I took those practices that I was going to do on a Kickstarter and I didn't do them on Kickstarter. Like, mm-hmm. my, like, but like at the same time, like what I did for anyone can wear the mask might not work for, for you, for your project but you might have a model that like is going to work for you. That's entirely not going to work for me. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Like there are like, and, and, and I could, you could even point to like people who do the, like, I'm going to design a little mini game every month on my Patreon and that's going to be my Patreon. Like, uh, like Adam Vest, right? Like Adam Vest mm-hmm. designs a game every month and that's, and like that works, like it works really well. And like that, I could never do that. Like I don't have, I do not have that kind of game design energy, but like, but like, that's the thing is like, it's finding a model that works for you and using the tools that we have in front of us and kind of stepping back and saying, okay, what if, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, or, or even more so than what if, like, why, mm-hmm. why, like, why do I have to be running a Kickstarter in order for people to give me $150 to run a game for them? Mm-hmm. Like, why do I like if I've published a game, why do I have to be on Kickstarter to say, if you give me X amount of money, you can write a piece of you can you can you can co write a piece of this game. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to 
why do I, why do I have to, why do I have to limit the things that I give to people based on how much they give me on Patreon? Like, mm-hmm. why, like, why, like, like all of these things asking why you'll find the times where you're like, I don't think there's a reason that I have to do this. I mm-hmm. think I can do this without this, or I can do this on this other platform, or I can do this in this other way. And that is like hugely exciting to me. That is a hugely exciting concept to me. Yeah. I think that there is something to the obvious answer is not always the best answer. I think that, that what's important to pull from all of that is sort of the summation of like, everyone goes to Kickstarter to get a big sum of money for their game. Sure. Maybe in a short amount of time, but like if you have, like if you have a day job, if this is your situation Mm -hmm. and you're, you're not trying to like, just bust out 10 grand for whatever reason. Uh, there are slower burn methods that will probably put your mind at ease, mm-hmm. right? You can make, I think the idea is that, that I think people think that there are, you talked about those best principles for marketing, but I think people only look at the surface layer of what they think are the base principles of marketing. They're like, you have to to have this many Twitter followers. You have to have this many Instagram followers. You have to do, you have to abuse this part of the algorithm or something like that. I know of a, um, Twitter personality. Their name is Shiran. That's X I R A N. Uh, I probably, I've never heard them say their name. Uh, but so that's probably wrong. But Chinese historical uh, analyzer had like a really big has a really big like following uh, in terms of like when Mulan came out really went with like mm-hmm. what did they capture what didn't they capture mm-hmm. uh, in terms of making that movie as with suspension of disbelief as realistic as possible has three videos on YouTube that's it three videos on yeah. YouTube now Twitter personality three vi- three videos on YouTube that YouTube channel has like a hundred thousand subscribers for just three videos that have not been put out in any consistent manner whatsoever and like it's absolutely like that works for her you know what I mean like that works for her she doesn't need to go uh-huh. She's doing her own thing. She's using Twitter in the way that she feels comfortable. She's putting up whatever content she feels is necessary. And I think what's important to to snatch from this portion of the episode is that marketing is flexible and it's flexible for you. And uh, I would, this is me speaking personally and how I think about marketing is that I would be cautious of what everyone says is the right way because yeah. I don't think that there is a right way to approach speaking to people. Cause that's what marketing is at the very end of the day. It's communicating yeah. an idea to others. Right. Yep. I, I agree hundred percent. I think you find, find the model that works for you and it's going to be a huge success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what would you, so thinking about it's funny, think about your models, think about anyone who wear the mask or any future projects. Mm-hmm. What would you, what are you like iterating upon? What are you thinking that you might do a little bit differently than approach like the stretch goal kickstart thing? If anything, uh, the thing that I think I'm going to do differently, like next time around or in the future <clears throat> is I, I, it's a really great question. I want to say, Nothing. Marinate. Nothing. I'm perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why I take I've taken all the erasers off my pencils. I don't make mistakes. I don't make mistakes. Um <laughs> I think the I think the thing that I would I would ch- I want to change is like 
I'm less interested. And this is, this is like, this is, this is the change that I want to make, honestly, like, and I say this partially because Mission Accomplished is just now wrapping up. <laughs> um, Jeff salutes every time he said, and that's why I'm laughing. It's in the title. The it's in the title. Yeah. I Salute. can't put in the text in the title, but like I can at least do it. The game is wrapping up. Like the Kickstarter is wrapping up. Fulfillment of uh, I think like three quarters of the books of the inter- the last like round of shipping are out to the people. I'm not really interested in doing another print run. Sure. It's just not. And that's probably the thing that I'm going to do differently is like. The thing I'm going to do differently is probably is like. Do less. I, I, I. So so the first answer is like, I'm not really interested in print runs and I, mm-hmm. I would have to have someone that I was confident could do it for me if I were to do a print run. Mm-hmm. The other answer, the broader answer that ties into that is like get people that know things better than I know stuff. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, like there were bumps in the road with the art and the layout where like, I was like, Oh, it would be cool if this, but like, I didn't have the words to put it into words. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I could just give someone money to do that. Like art directors mm-hmm. exist. Like, yeah, I could yeah. just be like, I could just be like, Hey, I want to give you a chunk of money to, to talk to these two people with a vision, an artistic vision. I could just do that. Like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I realized working with anyone can wear the mask, the value in having people, having people work on a thing when their expertise, right? Like I like people who know their thing mm-hmm. and I want to do that more. I want to be able to point more to people and say, you know, a thing, do this, do your, do the thing that, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, this thing better than I do. I, I, I'm, I'm a little tired of wearing all of the hats and I yeah, want to, yeah, yeah. I want to start working with more people and giving more people an opportunity to wear their one hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, there's a, um, a YouTube channel I watch called the future. It stars Christo. It's uh, about the business of graphic design or the business of design in general, visual design. Uh, but one of the things he always harps on is the collaboration and the team you're hiring. Like one of the business models he always pitches for free to people is like, look, be the middleman, connect all of the experts in the room, mm-hmm. figure out what their quotes are, quote for that to your, uh, quote that as your price to your, uh, um, holy shit, customer, it, for lack of a more refined term. Yeah, right, sure. Uh, but, uh, it, it, it's about connecting these people and using their expertise to make your business flourish. If you And I don't mean that in like a CD way. I mean that like make sure everyone's getting paid yeah. because you're quoting for the budget that that person is quoting you yeah. for. And then you're adding a little bit on top for yourself for connecting all those people, right? So I think a lot of people ignore the role of connector because they don't want to do the project management of touching base with all those people. And I think what you're saying and something that I love to think about is that I am never going to be a visual artist. Like I know I want to be a game designer and I know some things about visual design, but I Mm -hmm. am not going to take the steps to feel like, to feel like I have mastery over that skill. But I know that there are people out there who have done that and who are interested in games and who are interested in the genres that I'm trying to uh, produce. 
they have to exist out there. There are, what, 8 billion, 9 billion, 12 billion people on the planet, 11 billion? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the consensus is. Um, but someone out there knows a the thing I want, and they can get it in a more articulate language than I can. Yeah. Yeah, people know things I don't, and I want to I want to work yeah. with those people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I think there is something to think about stop trying to be the person that wears all the hats. Cause I think it comes from the same place as being like starting a brick and mortar business. You're always going to be the cheapest employee you can ever have, but that's not going to let you make your business flourish. You also can't work the nine to five of your business being open, then marketing, then ordering, then administrating, then working with your tax person because you're at the business working nine to five with your customers. Like there's, there's a lot of things that have to be done to make a piece of, economic content come to fruition and you need to understand that it takes a village as trite as that sentence no, is it's absolutely true it's absolutely true 100 yeah yeah i think i think that's a really good analysis analysis of also like just crowdfunding in general right we see it for kickstarters and their stretch goals anyways we see people like yeah if i meet a stretch goal i'm gonna hire this person to do this setting work or whatever have you or to do this visual design so just extend it a little bit more and say cool uh i'm looking to do art for this but first uh i have to get an artistic director and that's going to mm-hmm. come with the stretch goal cost and like here are the people i'm looking to hire we've had conversations this is their budgets this is the stretch goal like yeah and if we if we make that on the itch fund bueno like you're gonna get it we're all gonna be happier for it uh, I want to hire an editor, right? Because uh, I'm not a perfect editor. I'm going to miss something in my own work, no matter how many times I glaze over it over the course of these next months. So let me get that person in here, right? Um, lay out all those things. So yeah, very good. Uh, I think that's that's definitely a necessary component to the crowdfunding model that I think sometimes we see not happen. And I think that's where the horror stories start to come in from Kickstarter is like it's so overwhelming because I'm trying to execute all these project management things by myself while also being the game designer and I think people should just let themselves be the game designer and get that project manager yeah 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 Yeah. wow uh well any last marketing like if you where can people go to like is there a resource that people can go to to learn these sort of like marketing principles that you sort of shadowed at uh, earlier in the statement um yes let me find out the exact i think let me find out yes. the exact url but yes, yes. there's Take a resource time. that i used power of podcast editing power of podcast editing um a tool like a, an honest to goodness tool that i've used a lot that i think is is strong and like it takes a little bit of like flipping around and, and searching through it and like bouncing around on it. But like I used I mean, like how I learned this was like I work as a marketing writer in my nine to five. And like mm. what they did when I started was they were like, we use a service called HubSpot. Here's here's their <laughs> blog. Read the HubSpot blog. Learn things. And I went, OK, so like honest to goodness marketing resources like HubSpot's blog is really good and has like a lot of really good marketing advice. And like a lot of it is just free blog posts and like stuff like that, like marketing books and blogs, I think often have a kind of a bad reputation among like artistic circles. Yeah. And like, I learned a lot reading HubSpot stuff. Like it's, it's a service that I learned. I gained a lot of stuff from, and I, I, I think like reading, reading stuff that people in marketing are recommending that other marketers use to learn about marketing is 
of valuable tools. So that is a, at least a starting place. It mm-hmm. requires some bouncing around from blog topics, but at least gives you a place to start. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very cool. And yeah, I feel the same way. I think a lot of people think about marketing guru books or anything of that nature. And there probably are a fair share There's of them. They're like a lot the of them are, are predatory trash. And I yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But like at least HubSpot is like a service that like is a company that does this for a living. And like mm-hmm. you can point to them and be like, well, they, they, they at least know what they're talking about for X, Y and Z. That's very good. Thank you for thank you for sharing that with us. Um, and with that, I think that's going to bring us to the top of the episode. Uh, Jeff, it has been uh, absolute metric fuck ton pleasure to have you here. I'll use it again. I don't. Oh my give god! A fuck. Uh, where can once again? Where can people find you? Connect with you? Uh, all of these links that Jeff is about to share with us will be in the show notes uh, below for your access. You can find my work at jeffstormer.com. You can find Party of One at partyofonepodcast.com. You can find all my fantasy children at oneshotpodcast.com because it's part of the One Shot Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter uh, at partyofonepod. But also, wait, I forgot one. Uh, you can find anyone can wear the mask at jeffstormer.itch.io slash mask. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Can't believe amazing. I almost forgot that one. <laughs> <laughs> By the game. It'll be in the show notes. All right, good. Uh, by the game, it's very good. I'll probably also link to uh, Beyond the Rift so people can see that, that yeah. source material also, as well. Also, um, I'm gonna hold on. I'm gonna pull up the URL so that people listening to it also hear it. Because yes, go buy go buy Beyond the Rift. Mm-hmm. I always like to, if I can, add the link for like the inspiration game. Uh, At least recently, recently I have enjoyed doing that. <laughs> I'm learning, people. We, we learn something every day, uh, literally every day, uh, go to mnemonic rpg.itch.io. That's M N E M O N I C rpg.itch.io. And then go to mnemonic beyond, uh, I be mnemonic beyond the rift. It's the game that inspired anyone can wear the mask. It is, it is breathtakingly good. I am obsessed with it. I love it to this. I still go back and reread it time and time again. It's real good. So go buy it. With that, everyone, thank you so much for being here with us today. I learned a lot from Jeff. I certainly hope you did too. And we will catch you next time. Say bye to the people, Jeff. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Jeff and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes, such as getting in touch with Jeff or other episodes with similar topics. If you want to be a part of the conversation, please come and join the community Discord server. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Draw Your Dice Patreon, where you can get access to early releases of episodes from as soon as we interview. Thanks again for stopping by, and as always, I will catch you next time.